0: Welcome to the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson. Alongside me is my trusty uh, co-host, Jonah Hickmore. And a new co-host, Rob Soria, is joining us for his first ever episode on the podcast. And before we say anything, I know there's been people out there being like, where's the podcast? It hasn't been out since since February. And all I gotta say to that is life has gotten a little bit hectic for me. You know, I, I changed careers a little bit. I moved. And things are just getting so crazy, but you know, we had to come back and do a playoff preview podcast as the Edmonton Oilers conclude their regular season with, a, let me get the record here. I have a thousand links on my laptop. They had a 49, 27 and six record good enough for second in the Pacific division and 104 points. So before we go over the playoffs, you guys, um, let's just talk about this Oilers season and how it kind of changed from a doom and gloom this team is going to miss the playoffs with car mcdavid and leon dry yet again to hey we're, we're a favorite in a playoff series now
1: are we a favorite in a playoff series hey, I guess on we paper
0: we are okay. we are the favorite oh.
1: I, I i'm gonna start my uh, let everyone know that despite the layoffs since february i have not changed my opinion Remind you, you were the favorite in the Winnipeg series as well. So please, <laughs> chickens counting
2: before hatching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, the favorite in the but, Chicago uh, season, no, uh, Rob. Sport. Rob, I've, we we've gone on here. What's your what's your thoughts here?
2: Um, well, they're they're the favorites for sure, but I don't think it's uh it's a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. I think LA is built in such a way that if uh, the goaltending falls in their favor, which it very well might. Um, the series could be a lot closer than a lot of Oilers fans thinks. So we'll see. Yeah, I
0: think there's a, I think oil country has kind of had that, has that a guarded optimism. You know, we, I think we were a little bit cocky going into that Chicago series in the play-in we we're bounced in four games in that best of five. Uh, and then um, of course the Winnipeg series in the quarterfinals four nothing sweep. I don't think anybody had that one when that series started. All right. Yeah, so, Corey did. It was
1: just the other way. I missed. <laughs> I Corey think I was also like. Uh, optimism.
0: Uh, we'll get to predictions. Corey, <laughs> right,
1: come back from Toronto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think uh, we'll get the predictions later on in the episode, but I think I had the others in five in that in that one, and I wasn't too far off if I was going the other way. But yeah, uh, eh, that's in the past. Let's hope it's a better result this year. Before we get into the playoff preview, I wanted to go over just a few of the highlights of the season. Obviously, Leon Draisaitl. And Connor McDavid were the two top guns for the Oilers. Drysaddle having a, a, pretty, a pretty nice stat line. 55 goals and 55 assists for 110 points. And then Connor McDavid took home the Art Ross Trophy once again. No surprise there. With a career high in goals, 44 and 79 assists. Good enough for 123 points. Uh, outside of those two, who are some of the guys that uh, really uh, caught, caught your guys' attention on the Oilers this season? Have about shown Shona?
1: No, I was going to say you go first, Rob, because mine aren't necessarily positive attention catchers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see. Uh, Bouchard had a really good year. Uh, Some ups and downs, which we all knew there'd be growing pains, which is why so many of us wanted him to play last year as well, more than he did to limit some of that uh, ugly stuff that we saw in the middle. Um, I think Cody Cc was a lot better than pretty much anyone thought he would be, even those that were positive about the signing. Um, No problems at all with Hyman, thought he was really good. Is he worth that contract? Eh, Tough to say, but when you're a UFA, that is what it is, right? I don't know. Uh, the Oilers well, now
1: can say they have noted children's author, Zach Hyman, which they could that's not. That's true. Which is about <laughs> the cutest thing he does. So I'm not saying he's not worth it.
2: No, and and, and he seems, and I got to say with Hyman as well, he seems like a really good dude. And I think that from a standpoint of fitting in uh, with the collective, it's probably a, a nice addition. And he's right in that age group with some of the rest of them. Um, and I'd probably say, obviously, Pugliarvi, again, really good season, needs to score more without question. Um, but considering injury and everything else, I thought he was good. And on, the other thing is probably just the bottom six, that it was a little better this year, right, after Woodcroft uh, took over, after, you know, the head coach decided to play them a little bit more and in situations they'd be successful. So, yeah, there's a lot of positives for sure. There's a lot of negatives that I think most people, uh, are omitting now just because of this stretch. Um, but again, it's like the start of the year where everyone thought they were going to win the cup immediately. And then as soon as there's a little downturn, uh, the oh, masses Rob obviously
1: wasn't listening to the podcast at the start of the year. Well, oh, yes, No, bro. no,
2: but, but <laughs> the masses, loved, yeah, they were obviously. all over it. Right. Let's yeah, not I, ourselves. They a, were.
0: A quite a bit of Twitter, Twitter arguments, uh, no, uh, yeah, Preston can't leave Twitter um,
1: alone.
0: And a, one day he's gonna grow up and there. be a
1: real boy and leave the
2: people on Twitter alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we anyone knew who knew anything new was gonna, you know, balance uh, out in short order. Um, and it did. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because the the rest of the the Joel average Joe uh fan base went from they're gonna win the cup to they're the worst team in the league. We gotta trade uh one of these uh one of our best players in order to rebuild. So, you know, it, it was never that good. They were never that terrible. Um, and even now, I think they're probably not where they currently sit, uh, but they're, they're certainly in a better spot now when they got the right guy leading the charge.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and just to add on Hyman, I don't think I've seen an Edmonton oiler, or the Oilers have a guy that can hold to the puck and keep plays alive as much as Zach Hyman does. It seems like it's a nightly basis where he's fighting off four or five guys in the offensive zone and, and making something out of nothing. So it's been a, a very nice, uh, to see him come here exactly as advertised. And Hey, he put up a career high in goals and points. Uh, he had 27 goals, 27 points or 27 assists for another nice stat line of 54, um, Shona, who are some, uh, some highlights for you?
1: uh so i don't know about highlights but i think that um this year really for me one of the 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 big things was you could see that there's not the distance between bouchard and Barry that everyone was assuming was such a large distance why we need to resign Barry, i think this year's made it kind of clear that um you know the course of the year at the very least has made it kind of clear that hopefully the oilers see that one of them is expendable and it's the one that costs a lot more money because i think that the gap is not um there's still a gap there hundred percent, but I don't think the gap is so sufficient that they can justify. Um, you don't need two guys who do the same thing, especially if one of them is way more expensive, which won't even be the first time Tyson Berry's in that situation. Right. Um, I think what really uh, came quite apparent for me is that the Oilers goaltending situation is not going to resolve itself until Ken Holland decides he wants to resolve it because you watched the, um, the Oilers uh, media, the Oilers management, um, even when uh, Tippett was the coach, the Oilers coaching staff flip flop back and forth on, you know, what was required of the goalies. So, you know, oh, you know, Tippett out there throwing Klaskin under the bus or, you know, all those things. So until, until Ken Holland wants to put a concerted effort or whoever follows Ken Holland, cause it might be one of those things that lingers until Ken Holland leaves. Um, The Oilers, like everyone's like, well, you know, we heard it. Even I heard it and I don't spend a lot of time in Oilers Twitter land consistently. Well, the the Oilers would be amazing. The Oilers would be like first in the Pacific if they could just get a goaltender, right? The Oilers aren't going to get more than inconsistent hot and cold goaltending until Ken Holland decides that he's going to prioritize that. And even at the end of the year trade deadline, it was, you know, great. He did. Tibbet was surprised, or, or not sorry, Holland surprised me with his end-of-the-year trade deadline pickups there, both really good. I was like, holy crap, he didn't like swing and miss. What the heck? Um, Kulak was a very nice surprise for me. But, you know, those are two things I was like, you know, the defense, you know, we've we've been told, oh, you know, the defense is, you know, we need to get Barry because Bouchard is a couple years away from being what Barry is, et cetera, et cetera. And he's not. And the goaltending situation isn't going to fix itself until they decide to start targeting different types of goaltenders. But, you know, I do think that the defense stabilized a lot from the insanely virulent tire fire that it started out the year as. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and I think that this year really gave Oilers fans an opportunity. Well, I hope it did. It probably didn't, but um, to see that, you know, there are, oh yes, I know. Um, there are players that may not necessarily be the best points producers. Like Nugent Hopkins has had a fair amount of points, but I don't think he set a career high this year or anything no, like that.
0: He's, he's at fifty they, flat.
1: Yeah. So, the, but they're still integral to the Oilers being able to to fu- or you know, to be able to roll three lines or function at their best, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that um, uh, undervalue we've we've had as hockey fans. Uh, a history of undervaluing that kind of contribution because it's not flashy, it doesn't win the Art Ross and it's not, you know, the Rocket Richard Trophy and all of these things, right? Um, So I think that, you know, that was another good thing to see that the Oilers have kind of some quieter pieces in in their arsenal also. Um, if they could just stop being adorable with children, that would be great. Um, that's it's too adorable. I can't take it.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no, that Ben Stelter uh, story has been phenomenal um, in the later half of the season here. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's going to LA as well to watch the Oilers in uh, in Crypto.com Arena. Oh, really? I, I think he it. is. Yes. I think he's currently Twitter on the Twitter said on that they there. were
1: going to Disneyland. Um,
2: and... So he's a lucky charm, is he?
0: Yeah. Right through. <laughs> Well, the team—they've won like what 10, 10 in a row with him in the building. So, uh, hey, keep it going. I don't think he's going to be here for games one and two, but uh, he'll be in the building in uh, games three and four. I think. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I think game three. Oh, I is believe a lot.
1: that that's what was being said. I. I yeah. I just uh, thought um, it was quite interesting. You saw more personality out of players like. In a positive light, um, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, in the last few months, with um, you know connections to Ben, then you have in a lot of other places um, where they've just kind of been very determined to give the best hockey answer that they can and get away from the press, which I don't, you know, I would, I totally understand, but at the same time, it's nice to see them
0: as actual people. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to go off a little bit on the, the the quieter guys you were mentioning in the bottom six. I think Derek Ryan, despite not having a career high this year, I think he's had a, a fantastic year. With had right? <laughs> his
1: first hat-trick. He
0: his first hat-trick against the Florida Panthers, the President Trophy winning Florida Panthers of all the teams in the NHL to do it against. That's a pretty good one. Um, I thought in the beginning of the year, he was all right, and then he fell off quite a bit. He was out of the lineup for a little bit. And then Jay Woodcroft uh, decided to try him on the third line with Nugent Hopkins and Warren Fogle and wow did they ever click I thought he was been a very effective player in that bottom six and part of the reason why the Oilers can roll uh three three uh threatening lines uh over the course of an entire game so I really like Derek Ryan of late um Kyler Yamamoto too. I think at the beginning of the season, back in November, if you said if you told me that he was going to have a 20 goal season, I wouldn't have believed you. He was so snake bitten for such a long time, but he's really come up. He's starting to put the puck the puck in the net here, and uh, let's hope it continues. Uh, Yamamoto finished with 20 goals, uh, 21 assists, and 41 goals or 41 points, um, which I believe that gave the Oilers a total of four 20 goal scores with McDavid, Drysaddle. Hyman, Kane, and Yammo. So it's five. So, um, yeah. Math really is hard. Them. And who? I said math is hard, huh, Preston? That is hard. I forgot about, uh, I think I forgot about Hyman in there. I think I had Kane. Oh, I know who that's you hard. forgot
1: about. And that's another <laughs> contention between the Oilers fan base.
0: Um, yeah, and that's going to be something I think we have to talk about. I know there's the off ice issues and the the allegations against uh, Evander Kane off the ice, um, which I take very seriously as well. And I don't want to minimize that in any way at all. I think the, the there's a very good argument against him and we should believe we should be in the, the habit of believing victims, right? Um from a purely on ice hockey standpoint, well, Evander Kane has been Evander Kane. He's been a fantastic goal scorer, a got a trigger man for uh, Connor McDavid, and it would be um, ignorant of me to say that he hasn't had a, a big impact on how this team plays on a night to night basis. Uh, just from a goal scoring standpoint and a and that, so um, there's another factor. Um, kind of, a, I do
2: find something interesting. If you don't mind me jumping in real yeah, quick, yeah, no, go
0: ahead. <clears throat> I'm confused with Kane, though. Like, did people
2: think he wasn't going to produce? Like, I I honestly think that there's a large chunk of this fan base who's never paid attention to Evander Kane as a hockey player before. And, and they're, like, they're stunned that he scored. He's scoring this many goals. It's Honestly, it's what I expected.
0: Yeah, I think there was a lot of – a lot of uh... – just not knowing how he'd rebound from having a, a contract terminated and jumping into the middle of a season. I think more of the confusion was about if he can jump right in, in the middle of the season and produce right away. Um, he's done that obviously, but yeah, if you look at Evander Kane's career, he's, he's been a goal scorer. Um, every yeah, season. I'm going
1: to take a less, a less uh, optimistic standpoint. A lot of the Oilers fans don't know, or don't really have an in-depth knowledge of anything that doesn't play on or anybody who doesn't play on their team. So, you know, all they would have seen is that Evander Kane had a contract terminated, um, that he, you know, they would have seen the headlines that he he spent the last year of his contract in San Jose embroiled up to his eyebrows in everything under the sun. Um, And they would have been like, well, he's obviously, you know, one of those players that's past his prime and is more trouble than he's worth.
2: But and he I think, scored in San Jose. That's the
1: thing. He did. But mm-hmm. San Jose is also, you know, again, not a team that Oilers fans are like, oh, let's, you know, looking up someone's stat lines.
0: Yeah, kind of a team on the downswing, right? But uh, yeah.
1: isn't, isn't the, 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 the hardest thing to do. But also, like, for a lot of these teams, it's like if you look at the players. Um, when I, was, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and we were talking about who should win the Norris, and he's like, well, it should be Yossi, not Makar, because Makar plays on a better team you get that kind of effect on goal scorers too. Well, McDavid wouldn't have as many goals if he just had a better team and more people to spread the puck around to, which is kind of nonsense. You would think he would have more, but there's again, this this perception, if you're a good player on a less than good team, that somehow your stats won't carry through to a better team, Mm -hmm. either positively or negatively. I don't know why. I've noticed it in a variety of people.
2: Yeah. No, it's very fair. It is. That's a very fair point but yeah like I said the Kane thing is just a I think we're all all three of us are in agreement with regards to Kane um I've loved Evander Kane from when he the Oilers I wanted the Oilers to grab him when he left Winnipeg that said I wanted no part of him coming here and it want this time around and it had nothing to do with oh will he fit well yeah I don't think him scoring was ever an issue it's yeah. it's all that other stuff you met you mentioned Preston and uh yeah, we're not in the middle of it. We don't know what's what. But, and I'll say this with regard to that stuff, um, is when someone's accused of something, are they automatically guilty? No. But when stuff, there's a lot of it over and over again, different pieces of it, I'm sorry. Like that's, I just can't, there's something there, right? So, mm-hmm. and for me- it's- that's an issue, right? It just is. For a lot of people, they don't care. As long as he scores, it is what it is. Uh, But for me, it's still an issue. Um, And yeah. And I'll
1: say, this: I I don't know, as a a woman and a hockey fan, the fact that Evander Kane has had uh, reports and allegations, of, serious allegations that have been investigated multiple times of sexual assault dating back to 2013 is an issue for me. Oh, yeah. in 2013 he is still in Winnipeg that That's is several teams ago and he has I think five um, in various cities allegations of sexual assault some of them quite serious where people end up in hospitals so to be quite frank like you know the amount of I've always felt like the amount of trouble that especially for a stranger against a pro athlete to actually report one of those things Especially in a hockey mad city like maybe Winnipeg or Edmonton. I think that um, while I appreciate the fans who want hockey to be an, an escape, I think that those fans also have to appreciate that it can't be an escape for fans like me. If every time we look at the ice, there's someone that you know, you know, has a documented history of allegations that very serious are maybe more serious to me than. You know to some fans but it kind of it does sour it for me right yeah
0: no that's very well said I think that's a very valid opinion and uh I I, I, I well of course
1: it's valid Preston yeah. you can't you can't invalidate my <laughs> opinions that's not laugh.
0: yeah I guess I can't validate or invalidate but no I I, I agree with that as, as someone who comes from a different perspective it's uh it's very nice to, to have you on the podcast to bring bring that type of perspective um yeah but uh, yeah so I think we're all in agreement on the ice hey if we take everything off the ice away from it sure good move but you got to take it as a full pitcher so I think that's all we'll talk about on Evander Kane uh, Shona you mentioned it earlier the goaltending has been a story yet again this season uh, Mike Smith went and we'll down continue
1: early on to be in perpetuity <laughs> until there is an actual commitment to change yeah instead of rolling things forward and hoping that it's good enough.
0: Well, there's got to be a change this summer. Miko Koska is on an expiring deal. Don't see the team bringing yeah. him back. But anyway. Does, there, does yeah. there need
2: to be a change this summer? Really? There wasn't last summer. They they already have two guys signed. God knows there should be a change. No, but- you
0: know, Skinner's coming up too. Smith is back. So ah, who knows? That's a, that's a conversation for another day right now. Yep. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Mike Smith went down early oh. on in the year. Uh, Kristen,
1: so- we've had this conversation since you started this podcast. Stop crediting Oilers management with good sense. Stop it.
0: I just, I I find it hard. I keep putting myself in the GM's chair and then it rarely turns out that way. Not saying that, well, I might be saying I'm a better GM, but I won't go. I'll just stop there.
1: (laughs) Let's just say you would make different choices as GM. I would make different choices.
0: Yeah, let's just go with that. Um, Anyways, Mike Smith goes down early on the year. Mikko Kosting comes in, takes a starter's job uh, in tandem with uh, Stuart Skinner. Um, He does well for a significant portion of it. He finished with a record of 27 wins, 12 losses, and four overtime uh, losses. He had a 3.10 goals against average and a 9.03 save percentage. Uh, That started to dip later on in the year, but luckily Mike Smith caught fire. And um, he finished the year with 16 wins, nine losses, a 2.81 goals against, and a nine one five save percentage, so Mike Smith salvaging uh, a season that looked pretty lost for him, and he's the presumed starter in Game One. Um, so, was it a good idea going with these guys in retrospect, or uh, was more and more need to be done here?
1: We've covered my opinions on that. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it, I had an issue with it um, for the last two years. So, yeah, it. Um, yeah, Smith, Smith played hurt throughout the season. I said it from the moment he came back. It was obvious to anyone watching him that um, I get those people who are like, ah, oh, then he shouldn't be playing. It's like, well, sorry, that's not how the athlete's mind and head works. They can force themselves to play through injury. Um, it affected how he was playing. He was too deep in his net. He's he's always played deep in his net, but not like that, where he was like literally inside his net.
1: But that's adorable. That is the most adorable thing goalies do when they turn into turtle and and sink back into their net shell.
2: Stop ruining my fun Rob. Until pucks fly by them. Um, (laughs) They needed to goalie well. I said it was adorable. (laughs) And then once you could tell, as I think all that happened with him is he... He started to get to the point where he's comfortable enough playing with that injury, um, where he started to trust his movement a little bit more, and now pucks are hitting him and he's playing better. So it's all confidence. Let's not kid ourselves. No matter the position, uh, no matter what it is, we saw we saw Koskinen go through a similar stretch not that long ago, not to this degree, Um But honestly, the fact this has lasted this long, I know some people are going on that it's been a couple of months. It's really been about four, four and a half weeks. Um, It kind of scares me that it's going to correct itself. It's just like the Oilers at the start of the season. So I think it's very unlikely that he's going to be on fire throughout the series. And that's where I'm a little apprehensive about what's to follow. Like I really am. If, If he falters or if Koskinen goes in and is just okay um okay might be able to let them get past LA but it 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 really depends it might not so yeah I in order for this season going into the season winning one round was never satisfactory for me and it's still not uh, at this stage into their the McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl era, they need to get to the conference finals. So if they don't get to the conference finals, it, it, this season is a failure. It just is. So... I get it, that's not the lens a lot of fans want to look at it because they thought they were gonna miss the playoffs. I honestly never thought this team was gonna miss the playoffs. There's too much skill on it up front for them to miss the playoffs. Well, we wanted them to miss the playoffs. Yeah, but but the only way that was gonna happen is if there was an injury to dry side or McDavid. Yeah, because those no, I two are Tippett, too good. I think
1: Tippett could have poorly coached no, him into some performances. So. I,
2: I honestly don't think I think they could have kept Tippett the whole year and they still would have made the playoffs. They would have probably finished mm. eighth. Um, They wouldn't have went where they did, but they still would have made the playoffs because those guys are just too good. Mm. Um, But for me, it's still conference final is the goal, not a first round uh, beating the Kings in the first round and getting stomped on by the Flames potentially, right?
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. No. That's I, gonna I, be a
1: fun one if they get through the Kings.
0: <laughs> I, I agree with you completely, Rob. Um, other than I do think if they kept tippet, tippet, this team was was going on such a slide that I don't know if they could have recovered. But uh, green- we'll agree disagree there.
2: <laughs> look, look how look how far ahead they ended up at eighth place.
0: Oh yeah, that's the it's, thing. The, I don't yeah. think the
2: gap would have been that that drastic. I really don't. Like I don't I think do. they would have fallen to 10th fall or anything like that.
1: I think that they would have been in ninth. I think they would have been a situation much like the Golden Knights were looking in because I also don't know um the way Tibbet was playing players and deploying players that you would have been able to keep your top lines healthy. One of the things we've noticed the most about Woodcraft is that there's a more equitable distribution of both top defensive pairings and top forward lines. And I think that that's really helped them. And I don't think Tippett would have done that. And I think eventually that would have ended up in injuries. It would have taken something uh, or offensive production out or something like that. And I do think they would have been playing in the place the Golden Knights were playing where they ended up in Knights looking in and maybe not even control of their fate. Do I think yeah. that that means that the Oilers players themselves wouldn't have played with as much skill and heart as they could? No, of course not. Um, Though we were starting to see where I think Tibbet was kind of, what's the phrase, losing the room. Um, whatever he was saying wasn't really in, or having a, a great positive impact. But I do think that um, the way he, and I think this specifically around the way he deployed players and the playing time that it wasn't sustainable without injury for the, the last piece of the season. So, you know, that's where I think, you know, yeah, I think Robbie, you might be right. If you could keep the players healthy, you might've squeaked into eighth. I just don't think that was the most um, probable outcome. Staying healthy.
0: Uh, they would have been playing a little more, more desperate too. Right. And that, 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 that doesn't lead to good things often. So. Um, well that we're talking about hypotheticals now let's get to what's actually happening now we got the season over with the playoffs are starting if you're listening to this on day one of its release it's tonight game one uh the la kings versus the edmonton oilers here in rogers place uh at 8 p.m mountain time so um the oilers played the LA. to me what
1: Boo, why is everything gonna be eight p? Pe- I know why everything's gonna be. Oh. <laughs> eight time, but some of us have things to do the next morning. Thank you.
2: Because <laughs> we
0: live uh, in the West. Yeah, that's <laughs> just I how know, and goes. that's why.
1: Because you, um, you the- a hockey night in Canada spot or whatever, but boo. <laughs> uh,
0: the Oilers played the LA Kings four times this season. Uh the first on December 12th, where they blew uh, there's not a good score. They lost five to one. Uh, I believe it was at home. They then came back and rattled off three straight wins against the Kings: uh, five-two on February sixteenth, four-three on uh, uh, every March thirty-first, and then three-two on uh, April twenty or April eighth. So um, they, they got L.A.'s number recently, but uh, I don't, I wouldn't read too much into that because as we've seen last year with Winnipeg, it doesn't matter what the season series is. The playoffs are a completely different beast. So uh, what are you guys uh, – what are you guys looking at here? How do you think the others stack up against the L.A. Kings? I
2: Take it,
1: Shona. I, I was going to say, I think that they will do um, – all right – I think that they will win. I think that it'll be six. I think maybe one or two of those games might go to overtime. I think the Kings are a strong team. I think they're strong on the puck and they still have, you know, good defense. I think Rob's mentioned it on Twitter um, that their goaltending is a little bit uh, less than uh, stellar as well, which is fantastic. Maybe McDavid and Drysdale can take advantage of that instead of getting stonewalled like they did by uh, Hellebuck last year. So,
0: yeah. And I think the, the starting goalie, the the presumed uh, starting goalie for the LA Kings is going to be Jonathan quick over Cal Peterson. Uh, Quick uh, kind of had a Renaissance season this year, uh, a lot better than some of his previous years in LA. Of course he backstopped that team to two Stanley cups in the early uh, 2010s. Um, uh, But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting goalie battle, especially if uh, Mike Smith can stay hot and stay playing at the level he has been, which we've discussed is pretty doubtful. Uh, I think he matches up pretty well, but if it's the opposite is true, would is uh, very well could run into a situation like they did with Hellebuck. So I think that's going to be the X factor in this series.
2: The other thing for me that I'm looking at is um, LA can do something that most teams can't. They can throw two centers at the Oilers, two best players in Kopitar and Dano. Most teams cannot do that. So now are those two going to shut them McDavid and Dreisaitl down? Um, No, but they can make life very miserable for those two. And we saw Dano did it the back half of the series last year against the Leafs and throughout the rest of the playoffs. Kopitar, essentially Dreisaitl and Kopitar could turn into a similar player. Kopitar turned into more of a defensive player just because of the system that LA uh, used as they employed under Sutter over all those years. So I think some of the offensive part of his game, not unlike Mike Medano, back in the day where it kind of took a back seat for the team, Um, those two can make life very difficult for the Oilers. And if Jonathan Quick can play well, those two can hold their own at evens against the Oilers' top two lines. Um, The Kings can give them a hard time. They're not deep, but again, if I'm not mistaken, I think Kempe scored like 35 goals. I think Arvidsson had 20, even though he was hurt like he's always hurt. They had a couple of guys in and around 15 to 20 goals. I think Kopitar ended up with just under 20, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, he had 19. So, yeah, so they got guys who can score. Um, and let's not kid ourselves. They're going to be playing to win 2-1 every night and take it overtime. That's how LA is going to play. If they win one nothing, bonus. Um, they're going to try and stay out of the box. You know they're going to play physical, um, which the Oilers might not fare too well against because they traditionally don't in the playoffs. And we'll see how many penalties are called. And if the ton of penalties aren't called, uh, I think the series is going to be a lot closer than people think.
1: I think the other thing that uh, people aren't talking about um, is that uh, Brown announced that he's retiring at the end of these playoffs. Yep. And he's been a huge part of the LA team going forward. So that team has you know extra kind of motivation. They want a long playoff run. They don't want to go out to the Oilers in five or six or even seven, right. They want to be going to the next round because it's a big part. Like, you know, everyone always talks about the, uh, you know, the motivation and the reasons behind the game and the emotional impact in locker rooms and that. And and we talked about it a little in the Ben Stetler kind of thing, stelter thing where it's been a, a really positive thing for the Oilers. Um, the Oilers fan base, but again, I think that having your uh, former captain and a huge part I don't know if he's the captain, I think Kopitar became no Kopitar
0: captain. is the captain. Kopitar now. Is now, uh, yeah. They did give uh, Brown the C in his last game, though, yeah,
1: yeah. but he, he and he had been a captain before Kopitar, um, which is interesting, I think. Um, so you know, I think that again, that's again emotional motivation to push. You know, do I think that they win? No, I still think the Oilers go through in six, don't get me wrong, but I think that LA has like Rob was saying, everything they need to make this a really miserable series for the Oilers.
0: Yeah, and like Rob was saying, the, the, the ability to roll out two very good centers in Kopitar and Danoa against McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, that's, that's where the bottom six depth for the Oilers is, is really going to have to come in handy for us. Uh, you know, last year, um, McDavid and Dreisaitl were shut down by the Jets, and it led to not a lot of offense outside of it. So you're hoping that Nugent Hopkins, McLeod, uh, Warren Fogle, Derek Ryan, guys like that, and even Derek Broussard and Zach Cassian to pick it up. Uh, we I know it's kind of a running joke with Zach Cassian needing fans in the building to play well, but uh, this is the playoffs now. Edmonton's a really rowdy uh, place when the playoffs come. Let's hope Cassian can s- feed off that energy and return to uh, to form of those first two uh, games against uh, the San Jose Sharks back in 2017. So it's going to be a depth battle, I think, at the forward position. I think the Oilers do have the edge in it. I'm just looking at the bottom six for the, um, the LA Kings. It's very, very young. They have Rasmus Kupari. They have Gabe Velarde, Arthur Kaliev, Quinted Byfield, Carl Gunstrom, Brendan Lemieux. So it's a very young bottom six. If the Oilers can um, expose that and take advantage of that, I think uh, they'll have a very successful series. Uh, on the back end here, I think this is also going to be an interesting matchup uh,
1: uh please remember that young doesn't
0: mean untalented yeah bottom six of the kings gets going mm-hmm. no for sure it's LB a dangerous it's dangerous. A dangerous bottom six i'm just saying it's, it's, it's they're, yeah, they're gonna no. be very excited it's gonna be overexcited they've never experienced playoff hockey before
1: oh but you know like we hear all that we always hear about that for the oilers as well they they I've seen how many graphics, how many playoff games, how many, you know, playoff games do some of the Oilers players have not that many. Right. So again, don't count the Kings out. I would like yeah, to count don't. the Kings out. I'd like to count a lot of teams out, but apparently I can't, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, for sure. It, they're, they're still very dangerous. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying if there's lack of experience there, and we know experience can go a long ways in the playoffs, um, contrary to what I believe in the regular season. Um, so maybe the Oilers can help take it or maybe the Oilers can take advantage of that and have some success. Um, what do you guys think about the back end here, the defensive battle that will be going on? I, it's another young group for the, the LA Kings. They got Spence Jersey. Uh, Anderson, and then they have some vets sprinkled in like Stetcher, Edler, and uh, I'll even put Ole Matta in that. He's been around for a little while as well.
2: Um, how I see it with the back end, neither one is very good. Yeah. The Oilers is a little better uh, because of the additions of Kulak and such. Um, but again, it, it'll come down to system, how, the, how those two teams – deploy both their players and their system it's got to be an overall system because i don't think either one has elite or even above average defense i think they're both average to below average if the kings had dowdy even though Doughty's not the player he once was um he it would be a slightly different story the other thing i think no one's really gotten into um nurse has his issues um from a standpoint of where he's not a 10 million dollar defenseman He's the Oilers' best defenseman by quite a bit at the moment, and he's hurt. And to anyone who thinks I don't he's doing I to was Kulak, about
1: to go there, Rob. So yeah, come on. If anyone top.
2: thinks he's healthy, like I don't think so. And that's an issue because then that becomes more minutes for Keith, um, potentially which is more an minutes issue. for Kulak, which should be a good thing. Um, but like you said, Shona, the combination of those three guys having to share some minutes and maybe he goes 11 and seven again, but my problem with the 11 and seven in the playoffs, they go into overtime. They're going to kill their forwards. And I know some people are like, Oh, then the next game, you just, you just dress 12 and six. It's like, well, that's good. But that damage is already done.
0: I don't know. Um, I think you look at Dave Tippett's handling in that elimination game. He killed the forwards and defense anyways. He I was like, play, what? Anyway. Four
2: forwards and two defense.
0: Yeah, for, little, <laughs> so, for three periods of overtime. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean the it would cross a little, it, little more. Uh,
1: and there, on that. let's not be let's not be too harsh. There are certain points where you can roll a shorter bench. Of course, there um, are points where you should roll a shorter bench. You know, but I don't think that the first part of the series is a part for that. I think yeah. that no. the first part of the series you lean on depth and you see if that works. You know, you hope nurses back and functioning at a, a level that's acceptable. You know, let's be clear. I don't find nurse acceptable at $9.25 million anyway, but I'm a negative Nancy. Um, and um, he's not, as people keep telling me, he's not 9.25 this year. He's only got 5 million. So whatever. He's still this year. Um, but he's helpful. You're right, Rob. Like yep. he, he, he's a be clear in the oilers current system he's a first pairing defenseman do i think that he's a first pairing defenseman in a lot of other systems i do not um, but i think that the oilers need nurse back and i think they need nurse back at you know a good percentage of what nurse is capable of doing if you give nurse back at 40 or 50 percent of what he would normally do and his foot speed is shot because that's one of you know the things that everyone likes to point out nurses is, is able to back get back quick. He's got, you know, a great, uh, great ability to join the rush, etc. But if his foot speed isn't there, um, to complement his less than stellar positioning sometimes, then, you know, this makes me feel sick to say it. I think if, if nurse is only at 40 or 50% to start the series, you play more, uh, Keith and you play more kulak and you try to get nurse to like 60 or 70 percent before you put him in because he becomes detrimental if he can't he's got certain things he does exceedingly well and if he can't do those things then he's more detriment than keeping him out for a couple games and bringing him back when he can and i know rob you touched on this that you know, he's not going to want to sit out. He's going to want to play hurt. He's going to want to play at 40% or 30% or, you know, 50%. He's going to want to get back as soon as he can. And this is where I think the Oilers system and the Oilers leadership need to actually. And I thought, I think this with the goalies too. So is that if they're hurt and you can see they're playing hurt, don't play them for fuck's sakes. There is your explicit tag Preston, I got a, quite yeah, a no, way. We, we I, I
0: get it. the explicit tag, So you did. not um, <laughs>
1: Right. If you haven't listened to this, Rob, that's the thing I do is I swear normally within the first 10 minutes and then Kristen gets to, get hey, to We're, we're on, in the last, we're like
0: last 10, 15 here. So it took us a while. Yeah. I'm out of
1: practice. Know. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but I think then, then you've got to be really careful, right? How do you deploy nurse? You know, if you're, if you've decided you're going to deploy him at what situations are you putting him in? Because again, Nurse isn't a goalie, but confidence is going to be key. So if you put him in a situation where he gets burned every single time, you're going to have a huge amount of issues. And I'm not a sports psychologist, but you're going to have a huge amount of issues later in the playoffs when
2: you need him to be picking it up. Nurse doesn't lack lack confidence. (laughs) No matter how well or poor he plays. Nurse believes, I'll give him that. All the time. Uh,
1: I But I don't know if, like, I am not 100% sure with how how hard he was pushing for goals this year because that's what he believed he was told or needed to oh. do to justify that. I don't believe that. He thinks he's Kael McCarr. Yeah. Kael <laughs> McCarr is Kael McCarr. Exactly. That's, just delightful. that's the best salad ingredient ever on defense. But, yeah. um, but I don't need Nurse trying to prove himself because he knows he's hurt because then he's positionally worse and if he's not well enough to to skate which was my great thing that darnell nurse does then he's a hindrance And i don't need any more hindrances on my duncan keith laden defense (laughs) i
0: I don't think it's an issue of lack of confidence i think you hit it the nail on the head when you said it was a like an overconfidence thing like, the need to be, I know I'm better than this. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to go out there and do something crazy and uh, show people that I'm good. I think it's that overconfidence that uh, you hope that nurse doesn't fall into. And that he plays a more level-headed, and measured game.
1: Because, again, like, you know, I'm not a sports psychologist, but a lot of the times, like, overcompensation like that uh, is a front for not feeling as confident as one might imagine, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Yeah. Yeah,
1: 100%. And Edmonton that- Media, we are, are vicious. Um, and they're not all going to be Leon Dreisaitl, and uh, apparently not react to being called pissy. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: you did the not do a po- Did we do a podcast when that happened? I hope we did. That would have been a great oh podcast. Oh my god,
0: I can't remember. It, have we the last time we did a podcast? Was, I think back in February. Um, so uh, I I can't remember. It's too long the, ago.
2: The one thing that's that still scares me about the series is tomorrow. Um, if they lose that game, let's say if they come out. Smith shits the bed. lets in a bad goal at the wrong spot they're going to be in deep trouble because if they fall behind one nothing um and their goaltending was part of the reason because of it uh that is going to cause issues I think not only with within Smith's head potentially but I think potentially with the the group they can say what they want that yeah we don't lack confidence in these guys and sure what are they going to say
1: that's a crock of
2: Yeah, like if they see, as I said, they lost to Chicago because of bad luck and awful goaltending. They lost lost to Winnipeg because their goaltending was just average and they couldn't score and their coach was, I don't know what the hell he was doing. So those were the three things last year. The coach was yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Hellebuck was fantastic, right? But the one thing I will say about Hellebuck, and we heard about it repeatedly, yes, he had a 9.50 save percentage against the Oilers. And then he came crashing down to earth against the Habs. So Smith has been on the heater for five weeks. So we honestly believe that's going to continue for another 10 days, and, yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's a gamble, it's, it's, you know, it's a crazy be, gamble.
2: And to be honest, in this, in the piece I wrote today, if I'm not mistaken, in his last five games heading into the playoffs, Quicks five and zero, oh, and he's around a nine forty save percentage. So it's not much different than what Smith's doing. Um, now, do I expect that to last the entire series? No, I don't. Um, but again, as we mentioned earlier, it doesn't take much: a crappy goal here, an ill timed goal there. Um, missing the net here on a wide open net or something a bounce or two and they could lose game one or two and I don't want to be negative because I think them having fans in the building will help I really do Um, especially off the bat tomorrow but I don't know if that'll be the case if the game stays close as it gets closer to the end.
1: No, but to be fair, if I, I believe, if I remember correctly, I was in the building for the first game of the first series in 2017, before we broke the building and they lost that game in overtime. If I don't misremember, but it wasn't the death blow that it could have been partly because, you know, when they lost in overtime, but if, again, if I don't misremember, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to be all things Oilers. I'm here to be all things negative. Um, Uh, They led in that game before they, stop laughing at me, Rob. Um, They led in that game before they, you know, gave up a lead and and then lost in overtime. So they can recover, but I think it'll take, like you're saying, it'll take something. um, If there's a discernible reason, a particularly poor play, you know, maybe not an unlucky bounce, but if there's a goaltender that doesn't play well, and this could be true for either team, or you know, a defense pairing that's just god awful, or you know, people are snake bitten. I think yes, that'll have a big psychological effect going forward, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's a fragile. I think as well, they as they have been playing late here in the season down the stretch, it is still a fragile team because they remember the last two series they've been in, where they, where they were heavy, they were heavy favorites, and they're going to be favorites once again. That's why I was always in the the mind of, you know, maybe if the the team comes in and they're not favored, maybe it's good for this club. Maybe it's good that they're being a little bit of an underdog. That's the the identity they have to take here in the playoffs. Let's let's
1: pull a really random example because I can do that. Um, So uh, Everett, uh, Everett Civil Tips, um, were first ranked uh, Western Conference team in the WHL, and they're currently down 3-2 in a series against the Vancouver Giants. Who squeaked in at eight, like on the last day. And part of that is because Vancouver won. or Vancouver's fine playing underdog,
0: right? Well, it's, and they have nothing to prove either, right? The, the higher teams are under under pressure. The teams who just squeak in aren't necessarily under pressure to beat those top teams, right? Right. So it's, but then you uh, see
1: teams like um, Edmonton again and Winnipeg who, if they meet, will meet in the Western Conference Final, which is a ridiculous place for the top two teams in the country to meet. Um, see my soapbox on your way out, gentlemen. Um, but they, they're both under huge pressure to not just only win their series, but to win their series quickly because they need to conserve energy for the, the later series. So I think that's the other trap that if the Oilers get through, they need to not fall into that, you know, if they don't sweep or if they don't win in five, that it's, you know, somehow, uh, again, a negative thing.
2: That shouldn't even be in their mindset. I honestly. But again, remember five. about overconfidence. <laughs> like, no, uh, and the fan base, I, 100%. Like, you talk, you, most fans just like, even on Twitter, social media in general, you already, oh, they're going to walk over the Kings four or five. But if they're not going into that series thinking it's going six or seven, um, they got a problem inside that room. Uh, that's all I'll say. They're way too overconfident for a team that's done nothing. And while this team is better than the team in 2017 to a degree because McDavid and Drysital are better, I don't know if it's better top to bottom. It's better up front, I guess.
0: Right. Well, we that I, that team had something that this one didn't—the yeah, legit golden. number one, right? i yeah. And their D fantastic. was fantastic.
2: And their D was solid. Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Sekara got hurt, which made it worse. Um, but while he was healthy. That, well, you had, was legit. That, that
1: series had cleft bomb that series had had the best or you know that run had the best play Larson ever played in Edmonton
2: you know so like no. it, it's a different team for sure but yeah like a younger d but it's a better mix and just a better d and like you said a legit number one and yeah they weren't as good up front but and especially because the two horses weren't at that same level but it's not like that team didn't have anything up front they just didn't score Mm -hmm. right and that's not different than the last two years so and while I agree with you Preston what you were saying earlier and I mentioned it as well that bottom six is a lot better I I can't I can't honestly sit here and I expect them to score like I just you know what I mean like I don't think that that's an expectation it's not like the bolts where you watch Tampa Bay and you're like yeah that third line's going to score because they always do yeah Uh, by
1: the way um why are Toronto fans predicting a win in six? Is it because they have game seven trauma? I think it is.
2: <laughs> Probably.
1: Yeah. If I was a Toronto fan, I would have serious game seven trauma. I'm just <laughs> <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> but I looked at Twitter yesterday and Leafs in six was trending. And I was like, it's because you're scared of game seven, isn't it? Yes, they are.
0: <laughs> I would be too. This- There's a lot of <laughs> trauma over there from uh, from previous first rounds. I, I yeah. don't blame them.
2: <laughs> I will say this, though. That the Eastern conference. I know the other day, someone was asking, uh, what, what would be an upset? There is no upset in that
0: side. Like, no, absolutely really not. It's so well, I,
1: I, I think I'm going to, I'm not going to lie to you. I think if Washington gets past Florida, that's a bit of an upset.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, guess
1: the Biggest upset I've heard of. That, but- I
2: guess that would be, yeah, I guess that would be the one. I just don't, maybe it's because well, that's the one I don't foresee at all being a thing um but yeah oh, I okay. guess you're right that could be the one but I'm I just saying, don't I think a, that's the one that's unrealistic if the there's other nothing in there
1: it's it's Washington and Florida Yeah, partly because one Washington Ovechkin's hasn't been in the last games and you know he's integral to their offense um but Florida is also all in on this year so yeah, oh yeah if if there's a they're fun to watch they are except when they're stomping you 6-0 and you look like a tire fire. Then they're not fun to
2: watch. I, I was at that game here.
1: So, so was I. Yeah, it was not fun. The, Warriors, I was the
2: nice were so good that in that one. first period and all I could be was like, man, Bobrovsky looks good. And then the floodgates opened.
0: <laughs> well, hey, They came back. Derek Ryan, um led them over uh, the Panthers later on in the season. So they got their revenge. And that was a regulation. To be fair, yeah. to
2: be fair Florida played them badly that game too. Yeah. That was all, arguably the best game Koskinen's played this year.
0: That's true. That's true. Okay, we're, we're, we're nearing the end of this episode here. So I thought we'd end on a, a little bit of a prediction here. Um, first sure. off, um, we'll uh, go over the, or we'll predict the Oilers and then we'll do the rest of the West and then we'll do the uh, East after. So uh, let's start with the Oilers. Uh, Shona, you go first. I, you, I think you already told us yours, right?
1: So, in, uh, Oilers
0: in six. Okay, perfect. Rob? uh,
2: I don't trust their goaltending. So I'm going to say Oilers in seven
0: what well, and seven whoo i uh we'll I, have game I,
2: seven trauma
0: too ooh, i yeah. i've only seen one oilers game seven in my life because i was too young to watch gonna the see 2006 two. oh my god
1: <laughs> stop reminding me that you are in fact a tiny child i was
0: six years old in 2006 so i wasn't really paying much <laughs>
1: tiny, <attention> child, bro. <laughs> tiny child
0: the only game seven i have is round two in 2017 when the oilers lost so not great yeah. That said, do I could the
2: Oilers come out and take it off, uh, take them out quickly? They could, but I just I don't trust their goaltending. So you seven know, makes the most sense.
0: I'm I'm betting Jay Woodcroft keeps his uh, team playing the way they are. I, I this is maybe more hopeful thinking than anything else. I got the oilers going in five. They'll lose one, but I think they'll they'll rebound five. Together You're
2: together. not messing around,
0: dude. I I've been uh, saying this last year. Like, like,
1: if we still had
0: Corey I understand on
1: the pod, they'd both be doing a sweep because that's what they did for Winnipeg. I
0: understand that shit. Uh, the last two years didn't work out, but you know, I'm gonna hit on one of these. I can't do I can't be wrong three three <laughs> years in a row. that's that, yes, that you badly can. wrong.
1: Do not tempt fate. <laughs>
0: um okay let's go over to the other uh and team the calgary flames are taking on the dallas stars i and uh i'll go first here i think it's pretty pretty easily flames in not in short succession i think it's either four or five for the flames over dallas flames in a
1: five
2: i think
0: uh, i will say
2: five
0: yeah I think yeah, Dallas hot. is one of those inconsistent teams that's been playing fairly badly lately. I don't know if they.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if four of the five games are really close. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think Calgary will sneak four out of the five out.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then uh, uh this is this is one that a lot of people have their eyes on. Uh, Minnesota and St. Louis. This is probably this is a very hard one to predict for myself. Um, I think I'll go Minnesota in seven. I think this is going to be a very hard fought series.
1: My cat likes that. I'm going with Minnesota in seven as well, and not because I have a Minnesota bias. I have a well-known Minnesota bias. Minnesota in seven.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Blues in six. Oh, okay. Ah. A contrarian. <laughs> they uh, It was funny. Someone was saying to me the other day that if the Blues win, it will be an upset, and I'm like, "Huh? I'm like, the two
0: teams are basically They're the so same." So close. It's so evenly matched right yeah. there. I think this is the most uh, interesting series in the West. I am, yeah, I,
1: I am kind of hoping that Marc-Andre Fleury decides to be Vegas's first run Flurry. So,
0: well, I don't, I'm curious what
2: they do in net, though. I really am. Yeah. Yeah, like, are, are they both going to play?
0: Um, I can't imagine I that. But then you got one guy who you can maybe demoralize a little by not playing. So, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting.
2: They're both old guys. I don't think either of them will be demoralized. Yeah. But you're not wrong. The, the benefit of it, Fleury's done it repeatedly. Um, Talbot's a guy where before he came to Edmonton, he was fine in that secondary role of New York. But uh, yeah, Talbot's played really well since Fleury got there. So I'm yeah, sure he's got- like, hey, this is my team. I,
1: I think that, you know, how the Oilers have a, a or goalie tandem that just reinforces inconsistency. I think Minnesota's currently set themselves up something that the goalie tandem actually, sh- you know, this, the one that they've set up actually makes both goaltenders has the potential to make both goaltenders better. Yeah. How odd. How
0: yeah.
1: Revolutionary.
0: It's Maybe going to be a good we should try it. It's going to be a good one and probably the one I pay attention to uh, the most other than the Oilers one uh, for obvious reasons. Um, uh, last one in the West here, we got the Colorado Avalanche against the Nashville Predators. I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people think, but I'm going to take the Avalanche in six.
2: I'm going to before, I don't know how, what condition uh, Soros is in. but Oh, that's he, true. I'll take the abs in
0: four. I, I might, might take the yes. abs in five. I forgot about that injury.
2: He And he didn't look good coming off the ice. So even if he can play, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near what he was. So I think Colorado is going to bulldoze teams in the first little bit here. Uh, they got to prove a point, And yeah, I think they're going to walk over Nashville.
1: I think the uh, Nashville might squeak one out, but abs and abs and my favorite salad ingredient in five.
0: Awesome. So okay, so that's the West. All you know what?
1: If you if you if you've never when he was up for Calder having you know on social media watching Gabe Bladensburg put up numerous pictures of Kale McCarr eating salad. Fine, he, he's my favorite salad ingredient, and that's just that.
0: <laughs> uh, moving <laughs> over this to is the- This
1: Preston keeps me on the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this won't be the Copper and Blue podcast without Shona. Uh, absolutely not. Um, okay, moving on to the East, which we, we were saying is kind of, uh, you know, guns ablazing. and you know, it's, they call it the Wild West, but it's the Wild East this year. Um, we'll start from the top here on this graphic I'm looking at. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Shona, but uh, the Capitals and the Florida Panthers, I got Florida in four. I think they're going to sweep. I think they're going to do it. That's my bold uh, prediction for the East. Jonah?
1: In four, and I've
0: got Florida in five. You just froze. How many games did you
1: have Florida in?
0: I had them in uh, in uh, four. or Yeah, four.
1: I have them in five. Florida in five.
0: I'm
2: going to say – in six but i don't think it's going to be particularly close i just think they're going to squeak out a couple of games and i think florida is going to pound the living hell out of them in two or three of the games as well so six yes
0: <laughs> no yeah I'll, I'll go six such a fun team in florida this year I, I don't think i just it's so weird to see florida being such a fun team to watch this year they're usually not but all right, uh, going over to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is the Minnesota Saint Louis series for me over in the east. A very I don't know where it will land. I you got to think Toronto's going to finally get out of the first round eventually here, but you know they're facing the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Uh I I've never done this on the podcast, but I will say that the back-to-back Stanley Cups catches up to them. They're tired uh Toronto gets over them in six, maybe seven, but I'm going to go six. I've never predicted Toronto winning on the podcast, but I think they will this year.
1: I'm going to go uh, Toronto gets in Toronto's way and loses to Tampa Bay in seven.
2: Uh, I think Tampa is going to beat them in five. Okay. I I think they're all going to be close games, but I cannot take Campbell over Vasilevsky in a series like I just cannot I agree with you the the last two runs will catch up to them later on but I think they'll they'll beat Toronto in five yeah. games you know the, the Leafs fans goes. are going to lose it I that's personally I'm, I'm, as I'm, they, they should the I mean passion, at that point they, they should they probably and then the heart trophy is going to become that much more important
0: yeah <laughs> yeah they'll have nothing else to hang their hat on um I I think I mean,
1: why won't you appreciate the hijinks if they lose another game seven? Especially The the next team has to come if if Tampa comes from behind to win it.
2: Honestly, I think I think like losing in five would be even worse. I, I really do like losing in seven again would be, I'm sure, tough to stomach. The
0: most possible
2: chaos. But well, no, but so many like so many people in that marketplace think that team is so good. And for them to get stomped in short order, even if the games are close, I think that has even more of an impact where they're like, oh my God, now what do we do?
0: I mean, Dubas is gone. Keith is gone. Uh, is I, really like Dubis? I really like Dubas. I really do. If he's gone,
1: maybe we could yeah. get rid of
0: Holland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, pressure's on Toronto. They, if, will yep. they falter or will they? And then, hey, Tampa Bay's got nothing to prove. They've won back-to-back. They're playing loose. I don't think there's a lot of expectations on them to three repeat, so... That could be a character as well.
2: I just cannot see them losing in the first round, like, I just can't.
0: I just that's the thing with me. I can't see Toronto losing again. Like, oh my god, I can't see wonderful. I love it too. I, I don't get me wrong, I'm not rooting for the leafs in this series. I just negativity think to get and
1: over it. Oh. chaos. Negativity <laughs> and
2: chaos.
0: All right, uh, moving on to uh, you know, this is another one to uh, hard to put a finger on. Uh, the Boston Bruins versus the Carolina Hurricanes. No, I think the Bruins have been playing better of late, but I'm going to take the Hurricanes. It'll be a hard-fought series, Carolina in seven.
1: I uh, kind of want the Bruins to do well, just because, you know, I have a soft spot for some of their players. Um, it's, but it's I'm going to go... Well, that's, you know, I said the Bruins, not the... the uh...
0: Oh, as I'm talking about the other team. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're talking about the other team. But Taylor Hall is still a Bruin. Curtis Lazar, who's an oil king, is a Bruin. So I'd like for them to do well, but I still think Carolina in six. I also want Ethan Bear to do well. It's really hard.
0: This yeah, it's, hard. A, it's a win-win for us, right?
1: No, it's a lose-lose, actually. <laughs>
0: uh, someone does well that we want to do well. So that's what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. If Freddie Anderson's healthy, they'll win in six. If he's not, Boston will win in seven.
0: Okay. All right. So yeah. I just
2: don't know. I haven't heard if he's healthy. If he is, then yeah, I'll take Carolina in six. that
0: That'll be an entertaining series. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think it's one of the more under the radar ones too, that you don't hear a lot of people talking about. Um, and I think this next one, will, this last one will also be an entertaining series. The Pittsburgh Penguins versus the New York Rangers. I have loved the Rangers this year. They're such a fun team to watch. Lots of dynamic young players on that team. Um, I, It's going to be a hard series against uh, the experienced veteran Pittsburgh team, but the Rangers are going to take it in uh, six, I think. I'll
2: go Rangers in
0: uh, five. Shisterkin, is that why? I'm all about
2: short series.
0: Is (laughs) Shisterkin the reason
2: why that's going five? Uh, Yeah, he's part of it. And the other part of it is Tristan Jari's hurt. Yeah, so, that's true. I think I again, think they're
0: expecting him to be back, but I think that might be speculation. So I'm not sure on that. But again, we we saw yeah. what that
2: looks like when a goaltender comes back immediately and he has no no runway.
0: Well, Jerry's Jar- got some demons too.
2: Yeah. Well, and he was god awful last year too, mm-hmm. so that doesn't help. Oh, stop it! Well, he was terrible. Like, come on,
0: he was yeah, not. He, he was. was a good playoff the yeah, playoffs. Like
2: pick you. On somebody go pick on something not
1: goalies. I have a soft spot for. Like,
2: like you, I'm a big. I was a big Oil Kings fan. I covered that team, those teams. Him and Brossois were great, but whatever. No, that was in no, the what, WHL. Objectively, this is the NHL. Terrible but yeah. don't
1: fucking remind me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i just i love shisterkin as well as a goalie so i just want to see him do well as well yeah, yeah i right, Shister, uh
1: shisterkin is great i think if i have to pick i'm going uh rangers in seven
0: another another long series no i as long as it's not the oilers in a uh well maybe a short series would be bad too but uh i don't mind long series in every other series um All right. So I think that's uh, that's all the matchups we have left. Uh, It's been a fantastic return to the copper and blue podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, Rob, where can people follow you on Twitter?
2: Uh, At oil
0: underscore drop. And uh, Um, you're a regular contributor on copper and blue. Uh, Do you do anything else?
2: Not right now. I took, uh, I took a hiatus for probably a good uh, 18 months from writing. Then I reached out to our friend Jeff to see if I could jump on board with you guys there on a part-time basis. So yeah, I pretty much am writing there every Sunday, although I was talking with him earlier today and with a couple of you guys as well. So I'm probably going to write a little more regularly during the first round and then we'll kind of go from there.
0: Perfect. Awesome. And Shona, uh, do you want your? your still Twitter can't anymore? find me on Twitter. I still
1: don't want to talk to you all. Okay. <laughs> Not that I don't actually want to talk to you all. It's just that I have enough negativity in my life with myself. I don't need all of yours.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Shona, uh, I think I tag you. Your Twitter. <laughs> you tag channel.
1: me anyway. So if you me want to follow more. Shona,
0: I'm going to be tagging, taking her anyway. It's <laughs> against against their will. Um, so. Uh,
1: yeah. Don't do that. You all randomly appear, and then I have no idea what the heck you want from me.
2: Uh, so be- before we bail on this where do we at this moment where do you sit on the Oilers not in the I'm, first round I'm as confident far as how far can they go
0: I'm confident right now I think they're I think Woodcroft they have to they keep if they keep rolling on the pace they are and you know in another year with Tippett I'd say that maybe might be unsustainable but I have a lot of belief in Woodcroft keeping this team Playing the right way for longer periods of time, and if they fall off for a game, correcting that—they've been doing a great job of correcting their mistakes uh, in games after they lose. So um, I think so, this could be a deep run for the Oilers. I think they could. They've got the like firepower. What's, the what's deep? Catches on. Conference finals. I Whoa. think they can do it. I think they can do it. You know, Calgary. If Calgary, if they beat Calgary in the second round, it will be a tough matchup. No kidding. I'm not going to say the Oilers are going to roll over the Flames, but um, I think the possibility is there they could beat calgary i they're won't good. say it's
2: a possibility no
0: they, they'll but be uh, and that's another thing they won't be the favorites in that series so maybe they'll help them get up for
1: it. channel their vancouver giants energy got it mm. um i think second round i think they're going out to the flames if they get uh, through the games oh maybe i shouldn't take
0: you after saying that
1: <laughs> uh, you know what uh i think that's more realistic than um even late in the year, the Oilers' performances against the Flames have left something to be desired. Would I be happy to be wrong? 100%. Yeah. But unless they change something in how they approach the Flames, I do not think they are taking a victory out of a series seven games with that team.
2: The Flames are, like we talk about the Oilers' depth up front, I, I would say Calgary's depth is better up front. right? Calgary's goaltending like overall minutes. this
1: year has been more consistent. Well, yeah,
2: yeah e- even if Markstrom – slides a little it's still a big big plus from where either of those two in Edmonton can can be at over a yeah. seven game series and yeah we saw what they again it's a regular season but they torched them and even in the games the Oilers won ah,
1: no flames puns no flame no fire puns <laughs> <to> in <miss.
2: Stop laughs> this even in the games they won like Koskinen was outstanding in that game in Edmonton but Calgary like peppered them all night so, granted, different team at the moment, I agree. And if the Oilers do get past the first round, I think they get a lot more confident. Um, but, yeah, I, e- conference final, eh?
0: That's, yeah, well, um, I'm, saying, I'm saying that could happen. Could they win
2: the conference final?
0: Well, they're probably going to face um, maybe Colorado. Colorado.
2: But, hey, and they played good.
0: Colorado good. They've played they, them good Oh, this.
2: Colorado, those games were amazing. Mm-hmm,
0: but but they,
2: it could very easily be Minnesota or uh, St. Louis.
0: You know, I think <laughs> do not I'm,
1: talk to me about the last take. Game from game. an
0: Oilers standpoint. I think I would rather Colorado than Minnesota.
2: You're you're the going Oilers. with that one, are you?
0: I Just think we do, we do not match up great against Minnesota. They the I, I don't feel like match up great with
2: Colorado either. Don't kid yourself. Just I mean, saying.
0: at least we've played them well this year. Yeah, we've when they were missing three them. of their
2: best players. Yeah, yeah
0: true, true. <laughs> <laughs> but but it,
2: you know, the Oilers
1: have a mental block around Minnesota for some reason, and they have for years. Which, you know, if Evan Dunick was playing on the Minnesota team, was fantastic for me, unless they got over it for a game, um, which they would invariably do because they're annoying little shits like that. But they they have matched up, and I don't know if it's the style of play Minnesota's adopted, but in the last several years, like they've traditionally done poorly against Minnesota.
0: Oh, just yeah. Maybe it's awful. just
1: too boring, as, as people will tell me, Minnesota plays boring hockey. Maybe it's just too boring for the Oilers. And
0: that's, I mean, even that's, in those that's games, that's against Minnesota. The- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Preston. Oh, yeah. No worries. Uh, so, um, even in those, those games where Minnesota or Colorado had a full lineup, like it was a shootout loss and a, and an overtime loss. Like we played them good. Uh, Minnesota, even like it's just out of the games, out of, uh, uh, out of reach very early on. in I think every game we play against them. So.
2: Yeah. Well, the thing with Colorado though, it's they'll play the Oilers, right. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll trade chances. And that's why those games are close. Yeah. Um, they don't fear Detroit the Oilers. Running gun
1: hockey, yeah, yeah.
2: They don't fear the Oilers. Colorado their
1: will play. Colorado yeah. will play running gun hockey with the Oilers.
2: But in the playoffs, they may, they may cut it back a little bit. Mm. But yeah, they don't fear. They're one of the few teams in the league who does not. They're not afraid of the Oilers in any way, shape, or form up front, and nor should they be. Yeah, because they got quite a few horses themselves up front.
0: Yeah,
1: no, and one of the best defenders
2: in the league. Well, that guy is yeah. And their 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 back the end is pretty good, and Kemper has been really Kemper has been better than I thought he'd be. Um, although I I'm hoping he does kind of fall off a little bit, and the Oilers go that route in the off season, so Shona will get her wish of a netminder.
0: I don't think we talked nearly enough about. I, how I great need to the, stop uh, trading
1: goalies with with places like Minnesota through Arizona. Thank you.
0: I don't <laughs> think we uh, we talk enough about how good of acquisitions Samuel Gerard and uh, Devin Tays was for of course Colorado. Yeah. fantastic moves absolutely just changed the whole dynamic of that Colorado,
1: you know what really really irks me about Colorado is that entire rebuild has been accomplished in the McDavid era that entire rebuild has been accomplished in the McDavid era
0: this is what happens when we have the right guys in place I haven't t- but <laughs> to be really. fair
2: nothing irks me more than reminding myself of that sure but to be fair what have they won
0: yeah, it's true. They've won well, nothing. Yeah, yeah. They, they won a president's trophy, didn't they? Good, great.
2: What? Yeah. What does that? What if we won? What yeah. if the winners won? Yeah, I see what you're
0: saying.
2: Nothing, but that's my point. You're right. They've built and they've been good for a while now, and they've done nothing with it. But that's the so, thing. Is,
1: at least with, Colorado teams like Colorado or Carolina, there's an expectation that they can do there These they can make a push. Well, that's yeah. almost worse. But the Oilers, <laughs> no, for me, the Oilers are worse because they've been so happy to languish in meritar, you know, mediocrity um, instead of pushing to do something worth doing.
2: Do you honestly think, though, like, don't get me wrong, because I think we're all in agreement, be it from Shirelli to this group with Holland, they've made a lot of questionable moves. But I don't think anywhere in their mindset, it's like, oh, let's just be average, which is the frightening part. Like they were trying to get better. They did yeah. a poor job of it, but.
1: Okay. But let's be honest. If I did as a poor job at uh, uh, my job is they've done it, making the Oilers better. I wouldn't still have a job.
2: Well, sure. doesn't have a job. The higher ups. may have for-
1: another job though, because 32 <laughs> old, 35 hockey men and only 32 jobs, three must be unemployed at all times, but you know.
2: But see, part of the thing with the Oilers is and it happened under Shirelli, and it's happening now as well, they've been a good regular season team a lot of times.
1: Yeah, but again, and like you were saying, that means it, nothing.
2: Exactly. But that's why those guys stick around. That's the only reason Tippett was around this long. Because yeah, Tippett was, true. right, He's 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 been a good regular season coach. Um, and I don't I think, think, think many people have much complaints. So long because Tippett was one of Holland's people.
1: And I will, I will hundred percent agree that, you know, when you work, especially in a high pressure job like this, that you want your own people around you. I just, um, I would rather go big in this case and try to do something than continually apply the same metrics that you're using when those aren't getting results. Of course.
2: And at least
1: Colorado, when things weren't working, yeah. And they were willing to commit to trying something new. Of course. And the oilers have not been. And drives the, me batshit. It's the literal definition of insanity.
2: Yeah. They they go yeah. about it differently, but they always end up in the same spot. You're right. Like they always try to go about it this way, that way, but they end up in that same area where they're just spinning their wheels around the same thing. And they still are. So
0: awesome. Okay, we're running, we're running uh, pretty long here. Yes, but-
2: Preston wants us to shut up. All
1: right, we're <laughs> shutting up.
0: <laughs> uh, no, no, a, a fantastic conversation. Um, I didn't want to butt in. I was just letting you guys uh, go at it there. Um, but I think that's going to do it for uh, this uh, playoff preview edition of the Copper and Blue podcast. Uh, thank you, Rob, for joining us for the first time. We hope to, to have you back as the playoffs progress here. i looking to have episodes out every monday maybe if something big happens in one of the playoff games you know maybe we'll do an episode on that so um, like a win yeah maybe (laughs) no like maybe maybe a series every win uh you know (laughs) it's just touch and go at this point but uh we're hoping to get this podcast out on a a more regular basis now that the playoffs are underway but uh, uh thank you guys for listening and uh we'll talk to you next time